Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are a woman that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you come to the right place. There are no hard and fast rules and you don't have to call yourself anything. You're just a woman that knows something isn't working for her and you are wanting to make an intentional change. I'm Rachel Pritz and I'll walk alongside you as you learn to drink less and live more. Let's go. Welcome back to Drink Less, Live More. I was thrilled to kick off my group last week. Uh, It's a group of women for the next now 11 weeks, which we'll be meeting again tomorrow, that are interested in tackling their relationship with alcohol, digging in deeper as to why they developed this relationship with alcohol, and then deciding what they want on the other side of it. So do they want to continue drinking? Do they want to completely quit drinking? It's for them to decide, but it's really just an exploration process for the next 12 weeks. So super excited about uh, the women that have joined in on that. This is life-giving for me, so I love doing this type of work. Um, I hopefully will do another cohort after this cohort's over, so stay tuned. If you didn't get in, you can also still take my 14-day Break from Booze Challenge. You can do that at any time. You can also join the online platform at any time to be able to kind of walk through the course independently if you would like, if that's more your speed, which I totally get. So I am kind of on a high, to be honest. You know, it's mid-January. Kids are back in school. Everything's kind of settled back in. I'm refocused in on work, you know, from the holidays. And, you know, I just, I love what I do. I really do. I'm not going to say every single thing that I have to do inside of my business I love, but like 90% of it I absolutely love. And each year I kind of check in and do a little bit of an inventory of what is it that I really love? What of it? What is it that, eh, like I don't really love? And right now I'm not doing really anything that I don't love. I love one-on-one coaching. I love talking to crowds of people. I love doing Enneagram work. I love podcasting. Uh, Yesterday, I led a workshop with a group of women um, for a company, and that was really fun to do. You know, I love all of that. I just love connecting with other humans. Maybe that is the key. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still, you know, figuring that out. But I talked to these women. uh, I've done this for a couple years now. I actually had a group back in 2021 in January. I call it the Guilt Cleanse. And this group of women, I don't know, we just had a really deep connection right from the start. And we actually just met last week just to catch up and see how things were going for everybody. Um, Such a wonderful group of women. I mean, it feels like they'll just have a little place in my heart forever. And so, um, you know, I've been talking about the guilt cleanse for a while. This kind of subject matter came up again as somebody reached out to me in the fall and just said, hey, you know, I've seen your stuff on on, you know, LinkedIn and, you know, some other social media platforms. And, you know, we're really struggling as women to say no in our organization. How do we say no? How do we set boundaries? All those things. And so I was like, oh, well, you know, actually the reason why we don't want to say no is because we don't want to feel guilty for saying no, because we don't like the way that makes us feel. And it derails us and we know that. So we'd rather just do it and not have to experience the guilt. So, so interesting to me because now that I'm kind of on the other side of that journey with excessive amounts of guilt, 
I actually feel guilty if I don't take care of myself because I know it is mission critical for me to take care of myself so I can give to others. And so if I don't take care of myself, if I miss something that I know is best for me, that's when I actually feel guilty. It's not when I say no to other people. Um, So really interesting. Also, I recognize when I started saying no to people, it actually didn't do any harm to our relationship. If anything, it helped them learn what it is I would like to be approached with or what I enjoy doing versus saying yes to everything. Nobody really knows. Like they don't know where your gifts and talents are if they don't, um, you know, have any guardrails, right? They're just coming in and they're like, hey, will you do this for me? And you say yes every time. All they know about you is that you say yes every time. So I want to talk today a little bit about guilt. You know, I've talked a lot about shame. This is not what I'm talking about. So, you know, in the workshop, I was hopefully clear around the idea of guilt versus shame. So shame is I am bad. Something's wrong with me as a person. It's much more uh, internal for us. It uh, says a lot about our self-worth, you know, all these things. Guilt is more of a superficial experience that does eventually go away. Shame does not go away unless we address it. It stays there and it just keeps building and building and building. I absolutely have experienced some pretty intense shame with my relationship with alcohol, but I'll tell you where guilt comes into play. And that's actually come into play a lot more now because I've had to say no to people or I've had to, you know, tell people, oh, I'm not drinking. And, you know, I'm two years into this. So most people are kind of like, yeah, I get it, Rachel. We know what you're doing. You don't have to tell us about it. We're good. (laughs) Um, But, you know, sometimes I do feel guilty about, oh, well, that person's drinking alone. And then I have to like check in with myself to say, wait a minute. What the heck? Like I'm doing what's best for me. They're doing what they want to do. This is great. Let's just leave it there. So let me talk a little bit about just the research with guilt. I found this to be fascinating. I read a book. It's a great book. Her name is Valerie Burton. She is a coach as well. And she has a book called Let Go of the Guilt. It's on audiobook, I believe, too, because I'm pretty sure I listened to it. But then I bought the book because I was like, whoa, this is awesome. She does a great job of looking at all the research and synthesizing it and putting it in one place. So thank you, Valerie Burton, for doing that for me because now I'm able to easily access it. So it was a fantastic book and she's got really great ideas around how to dismantle some of these guilty feelings. So one of the big things, you know, that I found to be really interesting and, you know, I've anecdotally kind of known that many of these things are true, right? It's like you kind of like, oh yeah, men are this way, women are this way. Also, I know that's very binary. So I want to check in there. Just bear with me. Uh, because there is a reason why people that were assigned the gender of women, a, a man or a woman or a girl or a boy at birth, they get socialized in a certain way. So when I say women, I'm saying you were socialized as a girl or socialized as a woman. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. So keep that in mind. Bear with me here with those kind of binary terms. So I knew many of these things are true, but it's like, okay, now I have research to back it up. Okay, this makes sense. But why? Like I wanted to dig in, why are we, are we here? And so I have a few ideas of why we've gotten here. So the first thing with the research is that women have emotional highs and emotional lows. So they have more of those. I know for certain that that is true when I just look at the difference between my husband and I. He's more even keel most of the time. And I certainly have more emotional highs and emotional lows. 
doesn't mean he knows those or doesn't mean that I'm always verbalizing those, but I definitely swing from one end to the other. Uh, and it's pretty significant, a pretty significant swing. I can go from being absolutely high with life. Like I love, I love everything about it to the next week. I can be like, life sucks. I'm in the dumps. I, I got to figure out how to get out of this, you know? So I can, I can relate to that. Another really critical thing that we have to consider with guilt when we're experiencing guilt is that it is tied to the habit of self-criticism. Absolutely. We're feeling guilty because why? We're not enough. We didn't do enough. Oh gosh, we're feeling guilty because maybe we harmed somebody. Maybe we made somebody feel a way that they, you know, didn't want to feel. Or maybe we haven't called our mom or our, you know, sister or our friends enough. And so it's all about self-criticism. We're just beating ourselves up and that's where the real meat is, is how do we get out of that self-critical, you know, I don't like, it's just a tumbleweed, right? Where it's like, you know, like we just keep it going and all we do is criticize ourselves. So on the other side of that, and I've talked to you all a lot about this is self-compassion. So no more, I'm not enough and more, I'm enough for today. The end, I am enough for today. So there's so much self-criticism that comes into play with guilt and women do suffer more from self-criticism for sure. I, I'm not saying there are men that are self-critical. Certainly there are, there are some women that seem to uh, do this much better than others. Um, but yeah, I've coached enough people over the last four years to know that self-criticism is a huge problem for me too. Um, and I've worked really hard on that one over the last seven years in my own journey and with my own coach. Women often tend to be uh, more other focused. So that's another part of the research that came up. We tend to be more empathetic. Uh, I will tell you there was a time in my life that I had like zero empathy, but it's because my emotional intelligence was so low that I didn't even understand emotions. Like I couldn't possibly read it in someone else if I didn't have an understanding for myself of what I was experiencing. So I have grown that skill significantly. So there's hope on the horizon if you find yourself in that space and that's a skill you want to grill or grow, not grill. Um, you absolutely can. So I really committed some energy because I just knew I was deficient in that particular skill. Um, some of the research show, this is a, a research study out of Spain that men could be guilt deficient. So there may be times that they actually did do something wrong, or maybe they harmed somebody and they do need to go back and say, Hey, I apologize for doing that thing. Or maybe they do need to feel a little bit of guilt. Uh, women, on the other hand, tend to feel more unearned guilt, guilt where they actually didn't do anything wrong. Um, I'm going to use that term a lot. So it was a big one for me where I was like, unearned guilt. That was like the primary question I was asking myself. Did I earn this guilt? Was there something I did, my actions did, in order to cause this problem? And most of the time it was no when I was feeling guilty. So it's so interesting. And I'll kind of walk you through a little framework to help dismantle some of this stuff. Um, women are more prone to perfectionism. So, you know, I've talked a lot about that. That has been a huge part of my journey is to, to focus in on progress versus perfection. I have a high bar for what I think is appropriate. And I just didn't know that until I started actually watching other people move through the world. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I would never do that. Or I would have never put that out there. I would have never done this. And you know, for the most part, I feel like I've dismantled that perfectionism. It can still creep in a little bit. You know, I'm in recovery um, with perfectionism and it still does creep up, but I know how to recognize it and kind of squash it. Um, 
Other things that came up in the research, women worry more, of course, you know, we're kind of socialized to even like say we should be worried. You know, I watched my mom worry all the time as a kid, you know, I mean, she was always worried about something and then we were driving and oh my gosh, you're dead in a ditch. You came home at 1201 and you said 12. Um, and I get it as a mom, but definitely I could pick up on the fact that she was a worrier. Um, women face increased expectations. So I, you know, that wasn't necessarily in the research, but I can tell you, and I'm certain that all of you listening are like nodding your head for sure. We're expected to be the damn CEO to bring in money to the household to also be the primary parent in a lot of scenarios. My husband and I have worked really hard on that one. So I feel like I have a lot more help in that space. So I'm not necessarily always the primary parent, but for a time I certainly was, especially when they were littles. Um, you know, we're expected to do all the things. We better have a rocking body too, you know, like you got to get to the gym and work out. Nobody wants a fat woman, you know? I mean, there's just so many like, so many expectations that we have and no wonder we run to alcohol to quiet it all, right? Like how nobody can even do all of this, right? It's not even realistic. So lots of increased expectations, I think, on women um, over the last two decades, for sure. I actually think my generation of women and moms may have it the hardest of any so far. And I really hope on the other side of it, like we have done some of the work to talk about these things and dismantle some of these, you know, even just gender norms and all the things that we really struggle with, I think, as a society and men and women struggle with together in, you know, just a hetero relationship. It's difficult for sure. So, you know, there are times where I'm like, gosh, I don't know, that sister wives thing doesn't seem so bad. Like I, I need a few more, like I need a few more women in here to help me. So yeah, there's been, you know, so many increased expectations. I think all of us can relate to that. And then, you know, sometimes I think, you know, women are socialized to think that we should feel guilty. If we don't feel guilty, then like, what are we even doing? Um, feels like that means we care, right? If we feel guilty about something, we care. We're kind-hearted, big-hearted people. You know, I told the story yesterday, but it was one that really has always stuck with me. So when I was first pregnant, you know, over 10 years ago, and I announced I was pregnant at work. This woman that had four kids that I really highly respected as a mom and as a person. Um, so, you know, somebody I was like, gosh, I would love to be the type of mom she is. And she said, oh, I heard you were pregnant. Congratulations. And I said, yeah, I'm doing pretty good, you know, feeling pretty good. I'm like trying to not drink coffee, but you know, like I like coffee, but they said not to. And she's like, Oh, there you go. Here comes the mom guilt. It's starting already. It starts when you're pregnant and it will never go away. It actually gets worse. And I remember she walked away and I was like stunned. I mean, like my jaw was like wide open. I'm like, what? What? Because up until then, I really didn't experience that much guilt because I was just really self-centered. I did everything I wanted to do because I could. It was amazing for 10 years. I mean, I was 32 when I had my first, or 31 when I had my first kid. So for you know a long time, I did whatever I wanted to do. It was fantastic. So I'm like, what? How, what is this going to look like? And sure enough, she was right. But when we start to kind of have those conversations with other women and we tell them this is going to happen... It's like we're telling them it's a requirement, you know, and no shame or shade to her. I love her. Actually, she has passed away and I think about her all the time. And 
you know, I just know that was her experience as a mom. And I'm like, gosh, I didn't see that from the outside from her because I really highly respected her, you know, and really wanted to be her. So anyway, something to think about, um, about the socialization and how we talk to other women too about guilt. And we push that on them as like a requirement, right? So I mentioned, and I've talked to you all about the social essential self. This is a huge part of Martha Beck's work and how I was trained as a coach. And I think it's one of the most critical parts of it. You know, we are so socialized to be a certain way. You know, I mentioned socialized to be a girl or socialized to be a boy. We're socialized to be these things. We recognize that if we're a woman in the workplace, you know what? We got to work twice as hard to get to the top, right? So we start to do that. And we've been told we got to work twice as hard. So we start to do that. And, you know, that's a social self-behavior. We're imitating what we've seen other people do. Now, what is more of an essential self-behavior is when we get more innovative, when we are much more attraction-based versus avoidance-based. Like we want to avoid failing. Well, we're attracted to failing when we're in our essential self because we know we're going to learn, you know, like it's much more of an attraction-based space to live in. We're much more spontaneous in our essential self-behaviors. We are super predictable in our social self-behaviors. Just think of how we show up in the workplace, how we show up in our friend groups. We're all saying and doing the same things. Those are social self-behaviors. So when I get clients, I can usually sniff this one out pretty fast when their social self has completely encompassed their essential self. And typically that is the case when people feel really upside down. It certainly was with me seven years ago when I felt like, I was completely upside down, didn't know which end was up. I didn't know how to get out of it. I was so far into my social self-behaviors that I'd forgotten my entire essential self. And so, you know, now I kind of say, I think I'm about 75% essential self, 25% social self. I've been that way for quite a while. And that feels like a good balance for me. Martha will tell you, you need to be 100% essential self. Uh, Martha lives in a different world. I love her to death. Um, I'm not saying I even disagree for like wholehearted happiness, uh, but it just doesn't work for me because I live in a society and have to integrate into a society. And like, there are some things that I just like, I socially still want to maintain. Right. So that is part of the reason why we've created some of this is because we have been socialized to be a certain way as women or as girls for sure. So I really just want to kind of leave you with that. I, you know, I want to leave you with a few questions to ask yourself around guilt. You know, obviously the biggest one is, did I earn this guilt? If the answer is no, then we have to dig in a little bit deeper as to why you're feeling guilty if you didn't earn it. You didn't do anything wrong. If you did something wrong, you go and you tell the person or whatever, if possible, that you did something wrong. If you can't do that, you forgive yourself for doing that thing that, was wrong. Um, but if you didn't do anything wrong, we have to tackle the thought. Like, what is the thought or thoughts? Is it I'm not good enough? Is it that I'm a bad mom? Is it that um, I didn't uh, care for those people in the right way? Is it that, oh, I haven't reached out to that friend for a while. I'm a bad friend. There's so many thoughts that we need to dismantle here that are behind the guilty feeling. And then we can start to question those thoughts for their truth. Could I prove in the court of law that this is true? Could I be on the other side of the table and actually prove the opposite of this? That could I prove that I am enough? Could I prove that I am a good mom? Could I prove that I am a good friend? And the answer is absolutely. Most of us can can provide way more evidence to the contrary of these painful thoughts and beliefs that are holding us back and 
helping us hold on to the feeling of guilt uh, than we can to really prove the original thought. So keep that in mind. And then I want you to ask yourself, who would I be? What would my life look like if I didn't have to experience this guilt? How much energy would I gain back? How much more productivity would I gain back? How much more peace would I gain back? So many things that we gain when we can dismantle these guilty feelings in in their tracks, right? We stop them in their tracks, we dismantle them. So you may be experiencing some guilt in your journey with alcohol, not unusual. Um, You know, even when I have had a few drinks or I've said, okay, I'm going to have one drink tonight and I have one drink, sometimes I felt a little guilty about that because I'm like, why? What was the point of that? You know? But then I'm like, but wait a minute, I didn't do anything wrong here. Actually, that one drink didn't affect me in the least. So it's sort of neutral. So what am I doing here? You know, so there's been some experiences I've had as I've sort of factored some alcohol back into my life um, that have, you know, elicited some guilty, guilty feelings or being the only one not drinking. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I feel bad for not, what? No, you're not doing anything wrong. You are actually doing what's best for you. And that's where I can flip that script back into this is best for me. And if I don't do what's best for me, that's when I actually experience more guilt and longer term guilt after the fact. So still a journey for me. I imagine it's going to be a journey for you too. But if you are sick and tired of feeling guilty all the time, feeling that pit in your stomach when you actually didn't do anything wrong, Uh, This work is for you. I think there's a lot of opportunity for many women to dismantle this guilt so we can learn to thrive on the other side. We can't thrive when we're feeling guilty consistently. So have a wonderful week. We'll be back next week. I am excited for the following week. I'm actually traveling with some friends out to Zion National Park, uh, meeting my sister and a friend. We used to be travel buddies before kids. Uh, went to, you know, many cool places and I'm really excited to reconnect with them, get out into nature, experience the national park, um, which I've heard is gorgeous, never been. So really excited about that. So I will have an episode that I'll pre-record and we'll get out there and then I'll have one on, you know, when I get back and talk about, you know, a sober-ish vacation, I may have a drink at a dinner and that's probably it. Um, but you know, I'll, we'll talk about the soberish vacationing. Cause I feel like that's a thing that people are starting to talk more about as we move towards spring break and they want to know how to do this. Like, how do I do this? I'm so scared. My first one was scary. And then it was awesome. And then I have all these memories and like, I look at the pictures and there isn't any shame with any of the pictures. I love everything about it. So I will share my experience there as well. So have a great week.